Today on the Free Thinking Podcast, we have Christy Triori and James Scroggs, founders of New Working Class, the worker learner college that both transforms lives and reignites high streets. Hello to you both. So I want to ask you, so tell us, what is NWC? How did that begin? And particularly, let's t- get into this worker learner relationship. Who would like to kick that off? Me? Yes. <laughs> always me. It's always me. Always. Okay, so um, James and I met two years ago now, and um, this we came at this from two very different angles. Mine came very much from widening participation, social mobility, and how education is failing particular communities, and how one of the reasons to solve this through retention mainly is by offering these people from these communities an opportunity to grow within the community, to have jobs within the community, to be able to earn money while they're learning, to take away the barriers that quite often hinder them completing their education in a general sense, childcare, health, etc. So for me, particularly, I wanted to create a, a college or a you know university one day that could be rolled out nationally that would develop communities, high streets, towns, jobs and employability skills, therefore equaling people to feel successful in their own right, regardless of the amount of money they earn, that it was about a well-being, a confidence, a giving back and a being part of something, I think is a very quick summary from my perspective. And I, and I come at this from, a, from an enterprise point of view, having stepped out of the corporate world in 2010 and ventured lots of different types of businesses and latterly particularly a fashion business on the Great British High Street, albeit in uh, Soho, which is arguably not the Great British High Street. But there's a good microcosm, I think, of a very tight community. And and uh, my experience from the corporate world through venturing has always been about the fact that I think there is this gulf, as Christy says, between what education leaves you with and what employers expect of people and a, and a distinct lack of um, kind of catalyzation of people really discovering what they're good at and where they fit and what makes them feel happy and valuable in the world. Uh, and so when Christy and I first met, um, it's arguably by chance, really, because we were speed dated to me. Um, she was telling me extensively about her views on education and widening participation in, in education. And, and I was just completely obsessed with the fact that retail was dying on the high street. And that as a result, there was a huge swathe of the population who were not being not being given the right chances to really work out they were good at on the high street. Um, and that's and you could, if you could meld the two together, you end up with something really, really powerful that was a kind of engine for communities to regenerate and repurpose themselves. And I think the purpose of what we found, and especially through my experience, which was the learner to worker, it doesn't matter whether you come to us with no qualifications and you've worked or whether you've just been in that academic development, you know, and you've never worked with the model that we're offering, we can become either one or the other or both. 
And so we wanted to offer an opportunity to say, you know, there's a feeling in the young that, oh, you know, I go to university, I get a degree, but I can't get a job. I don't learn any skills. And then you've got, well, I've got all of these skills and no qualifications. But actually, if you bring these together, you would have an amazing group of people that not only are learning and switching from one to another, but are learning from each other as well. And so a community within a community. And so the learner to worker model sort of derived partly from that and partly because we wanted people to feel that on, uh, well, within our programs or on our campus or within our community, they can do both. They can learn and work. They can earn money whilst they're learning. They can work, they can develop skills and they can therefore generate something that meaningful to them to give them a sense of belonging and also a a livelihood post-education. So when you that makes a lot of sense, and I think your body language for both of you, you you are you are doing circles in the air, and I suppose this speaks of I suppose in an abstract I can imagine that as a a cluster of different activities, but when you talk about the high street, should we imagine this then as shops and lecture theatres band together? What, what, what is yeah. this like, and, and is it right in the high street, or are we talking about an abstract high street? How much on the high street? I think are it's we? important to say it's an abstract high street only because it's not just about retail. That would be a fatal mistake because we all know the state of retail in our digital economy. It, it is merely that the high street is the centre of our communities, and therefore it should both be a learning centre and a working centre. And the extent to which we we offer programmes that enable people to work in all sorts of different types of businesses that are our partners on campus or venture businesses that will come from synaptic moments right the way across the community base means that retail will be one of the outcomes, I'm sure, the reinvention of retail, but there could be any number of different businesses with a drive that the successful businesses get plopped back out into the high street, back down to the centre of the community and in a sense sustain the model. So it's a kind of, it's a repurposing model. And also enables students to try, try whilst they learn. So they're in a safe place. And look, we all know with enterprise and business, we fail. They fail and we learn from failure. So, you know, they're in the campus, they can run their business in a safe, secure environment. And then they can also test and work in someone else's business, whether that's uh, setting up an event, whether it's doing um, some teaching of their own, whether it's running a retail outlet, making something. There's no sort of limit. There's not a prescriptive, oh, well, you can only have this type of business. That's not what this is about. It's about them coming with ideas and us harnessing those ideas and helping them to try those ideas and get, you know, if they can make some money and get them ventured back into their community. That's the, you know, obviously the pinnacle ultimate outcome. And that's, Adam, that speaks to the breadth of the cluster of partners that we're trying to bring into our pilot which is finding people who have a shared ethos that are effectively prepared to sit alongside us or stand alongside us in the centre of a community and enable our students to work within programmes in their businesses, but as a result, feel part of a growing community that reignites a city centre or a high street. Mm. And I suppose where we're used to campuses being very much a destination, which is... You know, you know, it's well understood that, you know, this is where I'm going here, whether I'm spending three years 
dreaming of getting there or I'm spending, you know, 30 minutes on a bus getting to there. Tell me about a day in the life of this, because so much of what you're talking about is it's an open platform, isn't it? We can have many chance encounters within what you're talking about before one dives in. And that's important, isn't it? Slowly warming people up. Tell me a bit about that. So, yes, so Andrew Rosen, who is the CEO of Kaplan Global International, he trialled for social mobility a um, uh, campus as a holiday destination. And the idea was that students would re sort of purpose study in their mind as more fun, more joining into um, living life, relaxation, swimming, you know, that sort of the way that the campus was set up, there was some interesting things that they come up with around holiday destinations and that you would go to a particular campus dependent like you would a holiday, you know, weather, type and style of building, facilities, that, that type of thing. So I think for us, particularly, if we sort of take that model, we've looked at this slightly differently when we want a destination, but we want a day in the life for our students to feel as though they can participate in number of different things so they don't just come to college to go to class and they swipe into class they sit in their lectures they may go to the library have some lunch chat to a few people go home that's not what we're trying to create what we're trying to create is a destination to spend the day or the evening the family can be involved the friends can be involved they can come they study their class but they go off and they work and that can be part of their assessment or they have a sand bit they can try the new ideas they can create something they can build something there's workshops they can chat they can have some social bit they can join into an event participate in a debate have some involvement in the activities that are happening in the outreach centre to recruit some of the new students or the community so they can put fingers in lots of pies almost and they'll find an allegiance to a particular part of what's happening around the college that makes it fulfilling to them where they can add value and I think everything whether it's our face-to-face delivery whether it's working in one of the enterprises whether it's the tech you know, the app system will give them a sense of a place where they can belong, but that they're the decision maker and that they know where they're adding value, but also getting value. So one of the big things is, I mean, you'll see it out there, and this is around sort of policy and government, is that they talk about wasted fees and students stealing government money. Now, I think what's one of the things critical for us is that students understand how their fees are spent and where they get value through the experience. And by gaining value, they're giving value and it will help them pitch themselves for their own value when they get a job. You know, and I think we need to get away from this. They're borrowing money and that money is being used to teach. It's not just to teach in a classroom. It's to give them life skills. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that I became obsessed with as we've developed this project is that we have to earn our right to be in the community. The, yeah. the, the, the last thing anybody needs is a battle bus turning out, which is mahogany lined with some sort of politician imposing a new pedagogy on people. So earning our right to be on the high street, I think, means it's a very consultative exercise of being in the community, understanding how the community works, what's going to work for them, what's not going to work for them, but also then creating an environment where you don't feel that stepping over the threshold is somehow a forbidding experience. So we've specifically gone out looking for uh, former department stores or shopping malls 
where in a sense it 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 it, in a strange kind of way, it hoodwinks people into believing that this is the environment that they already know as community centres. But the fact that there's a learning background and a sort of doing mid-ground and then a very consumer-facing and public-facing foreground means that you don't really realise you're in the middle of a college campus because it feels like a very zeitgeist, exciting, vibrant, programme-led place. Yeah. It's interesting that thing about program-led place. If we combine the two things you're talking about there, about the, you know, the, the worker learner as the activator, as you're saying, Christy, and then this kind of rich and ever-changing program that you're talking about, James. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds. I mean, in many ways, we talk about our high streets, particularly in Britain, but you know, across the world now, needing reignition, having these great voids, and it's not just a void of, I suppose, a lack of anchor tenants. It's a lack of anchoring experiences. And it seems that you're, you're very much sort of playing to that. So I imagine local authorities are very supportive of what you're talking about. Yes, I think they recognise that, obviously, the, for us particularly, we want to contribute back into the economy of the local high street and also the local community. And the, lo the councils can see that these we're going to generate people who can do that over a long-term period of time, as well as helping them deliver their promises to support community too. So I think there's multiple angles in which the councils can see the benefit of what it is that we're doing. I think, I think there's always a danger. So I, 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 I sort of I fear for councils in a sense that they're always trying to live up to a set of expectations and, and you know, and, and developers and people come into these city centres and they make promises and quite often let people down. Our, our desire is to not make any grand gestures and make any grand statements. You know, the whole point of being a, a, an ignition point is literally that we sort of strike a match and we want to blow on it gently. This is not pouring paraffin onto the match and trying to make big strident gestures from day one. I think we have to do it carefully and uh, in consultation with the community and the, you know, the l pillars of that community and the council and local businesses, et cetera, et cetera. I just think it's really important that this is an organic process, not a big imposition or intervention. Yeah. yeah, we won't be using the typical recruitment models of other universities. It's about getting to know them and them getting to know us because trust is quite critical to this. We think trust and belief in what we're doing and us, you know, not over-promising, under-delivering. You know, that's not what we're about. It's about building relationships and sustainable relationships with the community. And that has to start not just with the public, does it? It has to start with local businesses and, you know, councils, et cetera, and us working as partners, really, rather than being seen as this bombastic new thing that's just there to take over we're not there to do that we're there to develop with them and support and help mm. it's interesting that thing about you know growing organically evolving organic uh, uh, you know the, the yes yeah, so sort of the, the, the small steps of building this base I, I know you can't speak specifically about the exact postcode that you're working in in your first site but tell us a bit about I know it, it's a it's a 1970s shopping center uh, adjacent to a high street and tell us a bit about what that might feel like so if I was due to, if I was to go there in a year's time uh, tell me about what that might might be like what what kind of things might I see and what kind of things might what programs might get me involved so I think if the entrance the first thing you we would like or hope that you're going to see is a community buzz of things being offered at no cost as in financial cost to the community whether that's 
upskilling them through English programs, community mornings, you know, um, outreach activities that are supporting charitable initiatives. So a place to come, sit down, get to know, get involved with and a place you can share ideas. And that we would hope would be one of the first things that you would see and get involved in before you enter into the shopping centre itself. Mm. And the shopping, the interesting thing about a shopping centre is clearly it's a place that people are used to dwelling, mm. used to meeting, mm. may, yeah. maybe spend too much time dwelling and not enough time spending, Natalie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the notion that you have to walk as as you as you journey through our kind of notional campus, that you're walking through active trading businesses that yeah. are either partners of NWC or ventured by NWC, where the ground floor, as we call it, the sort of enterprise trading zone, but above it, is an enterprise learning zone, uh, creates this kind of lovely uh, sort of juxtaposition of the reality of dealing with the customer uh, in whatever business or venture, and then the reality of having to learn how to deal with the reality of of speaking to the customer is just a lovely little duality. So we we have this idea that, in a sense, the open part of the campus is effectively the, the mezzanine floor of a shopping centre that looks down into the reality of people going about their daily business in the shopping centre. And then we'll have things like, you know, taking over uh, a a town hall, which is effectively where you would otherwise dwell in a coffee bar and make that a a, a centrepiece of the experience. Um, uh, But with retail and leisure and coffee bars and, you know, uh, student hubs and and a, a sort of plethora of activities, that all speak to the kinds of things you would expect in a shopping centre, but with all this this uh, kind of impetus behind it, which is learning. Mm. So you're facilitating that programme and all those partnerships and associations. And then the formal college, that then sits above that, does it? So we've got the richness of all these things drawing us in and getting involved. And then would we start to find... Uh, student hub, tutorial rooms, uh, lecture theatres above that. So things we'd recognise as college. Yeah, but also some we'd like to feel would be entwined in that learning enterprise zone on the first floor. There'd be some aspects of formal college there. So your advisory centre, the place to go and get some wellbeing support or, you know, you need to get a certain document for something to help you with a bill, for example, a utility bill. You know, that would be, you'd still feel some elements of it, but the formal college would almost sort of come out over the top of that where a student rises into that formal college. And in there, there's your content library learning zone, which would house a different type of buzz where you'd have discussions and debates and activities happening that were particularly around what's being taught on the programme and what they've learned by being in the, you know, whether it's working in the ground floor enterprise bit or they've learned from the top bit. And there'd be group work and activities happening there. And then there would be the other aspects around, you know, some teaching spaces you know which would be active learning so not rows of classes and a screen on the wall but more you know furniture that can be moved around things that lend itself to building and doing as well as just talking and discussing 
some IT pieces, some places where they can get to grips with digital skills and, you know, they can do video blogging or they can, you know, present little, do their own documentaries. And So you'll see that as you go into the college. And then obviously we will have some staff and people. Uh, so there'll be some office space, but generally we expect our people and our staff to be part of the experience and throughout the whole of that, not just in the formal aspects. The beauty of a shopping mall is it has no, I mean, not that we're in our pilot planning to take over the whole of a shopping mall. That would be a little ambitious, but but it has no fixed perimeter. So in a sense, the extent to which we infect uh, the, the the town centre will determine how far our tendrils will reach out and, and establish this ethos of worker learner or learner worker. And I think that's the power of this is we can't see on, you know, from day one to day 365, we're not quite sure how far and deep we will get, but we will start with the right ambitions and the right trajectory and the right ethos and see how many people cluster around us. Yeah, well, it's fascinating yeah. hearing it as almost like a campaign and that with yes. every step you are slowly inspiring an association. But like any great campaign, you're learning from your audience and, and it grows. It's their campaign ultimately. Uh, importantly for us, when we think about it regionally, you know, what might work in one campus in London, say, is probably not the same as might work in Leeds or, or Liverpool. So I think the, the beauty of the model is it doesn't pre, it doesn't pre prescribe what's going to work. It has a, a sort of a, a, a sort of engine behind it and a principle behind it that will be determined quite locally, because I'm a big believer that we have to be hyper local for this to work, because that's where community hearts are. And I think the other thing is about barriers. The idea is, is that there aren't barriers to the community to come into the shopping centre and see what's happening. We want to be open access, whether that's open access to study, open access to go into the business and buy something, sit in the F&B bit, engage in that. You know, it, it's really important to us that the community feels that they can walk in and be part of what it is that we're creating so we become a stable part of that high street and it'll yeah. take time to do that permeability it's all about permeability i think that's fascinating because i mean universities the world over you know it was, it was, it's a trend that we've seen happening for decades but particularly the pandemic when one looks at national student surveys, they speak of people feeling disconnected from real life. They speak about people that don't understand what happens next in terms of what beyond college and connections with industry partners. They speak about their service being impersonal and generic. And then lastly, I, I note that you know there's often little opportunity to meet people beyond your faculty. And it sounds like you're hitting all of those very, very hard because you're not bound by the old model. It's your own. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it comes from also going back to pedagogy types of assessment and how these students will be assessed. And it's a bit like the old knowledge transfer partnerships, the teacher training, they're assessed whilst doing. And yes, there will be some sort of reflective element, and but it's about practice. So our sort of pedagogy is about active, reflective and practice-based learning and how you combine them all to give them confidence. So they're building this CV. You know, you go to a lot of universities and level four, they say, oh, you're going to write 
write a CV for your career and you think, oh my God, it's day one. I don't know yet what I'm going to do. Whereas we're evolving the CV by doing, you know, we're not going to ask them to write a CV, but we'll have a probably a job centre in there that went at the end of their career, they can advertise jobs for their businesses or they can look at jobs that are there, but they've got a basis to go, in my time here, I did this, 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 this and this. Mm. Because that's the problem with the NSS, particularly the National Student Survey, it only examines those final year students. But there is a real big case around the level five students that they call the forgotten year. And they're the ones that it's a bit like middle child syndrome that feel more disconnected because they're not the newbies, they're not the finals and they get lost. And for our programmes, particularly, that's where we ramp up with them, where they are the ones who are doing. They've had the ideas early on. They're now building those ideas and kicking them off. And then the final bit is looking at the viability and validity of those ideas. And that's where the pedagogy sort of realises itself around learner-to-worker as well. Mm. It's it's fascinating, again, and I'm doing this because it, this is an audio thing, but I'm loving your body language because if I turned off the sound, which I would never do on you, Christy, but you could almost imagine that with each little pinprick that you have with your fingers there, but then also when you gather it around different hubs, it almost looks a bit like a festival where I imagine multiple stages, multiple activities and then the worker-learner finding their way around it on their own terms. Would that be fair to imagine this a bit like a festival? Yeah, and I think we have to be open to new things popping up and, you know, closing down and new ideas and that, you know, that flexibility and versatility of the space particularly and the community. We need to be able to facilitate that because that's going to help us regenerate, not just the people that are coming to the college, but also the community in the towns in which we're in. Because like James alluded to, Leeds, Liverpool, whatever, they're all going to want something different. And a festival analogy allows us to trial those difference and see and have, you know, unique or the same. Or And we'll learn as we go, really. We'll be learning as we're working, I think, as we go. I think that's, yeah, definitely. The festival metaphor was particularly uh, informative at the beginning of this process of developing NWC but in my head for two primary reasons one is increasingly you go to a festival regardless of who's playing and you choose your festival regardless of who's playing so you could have the biggest act in the world on the main stage but that's not really the principal driver to go but but secondly as a, as a somebody who's managed various musical acts in my life uh, you, what you're always trying to do is, in a sense, just build an audience in front of a stage and create the ancillary activities around it. But 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 it, it's about being on the being at the stage and being near the front and being part of a crowd. So it's really important that we stand alongside our students and our employees in the cluster and the council and the community leaders. We're not trying to be the power brokers behind the scenes. We want to stand alongside them because that's in that way we will understand exactly what makes the best festival experience. Mm. It's it's such a powerful thought, and I think you know that it's you know whether I mean I know we're talking about you know an education destination ultimately, but you know this festivalization of our city centres of our local centres that demands something that is you know a program that is constantly relevant and an architecture that is permanently beta. I think you are, you know, this can inspire, I think, many different models. And I think that's why I, I find it also so liberating. So 
Thank you very much to both of you. That was fantastic to get into that. And I greatly look forward to hearing more, particularly when we know where number one is going to be. Thank Watch this space. Watch Thank this you, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Free Thinking Podcast today. Do subscribe so you know when the next episodes are and do leave us a comment so we can get better and better. Thank you and see you soon.